0: The Queen of Quirm docked that day, two and a half months earlier than expected, to the dismay, distress, or possibly even delight of the wives of the crew. The master made a note of this, and also was intrigued by the fact that most of the crew, after disembarkation, immediately wandered along past the other ships in port to a quiet area of beach close to the repair yard, where the somewhat battered, wonderful Fanny was already being pulled up the slipway. Walking alongside his boat, like a mother hen with one enormous chick... "'was Captain Sillitoe, nursing a plaster cast on his arm. "'He brightened up when he saw Vimes. "'Well, sir, I have to hand it to you by my halibut, so I must. "'You played a man's job in getting us safely home, sir. "'I won't forget it, nor will my wife and daughter.' "'Vimes looked up at the boat and hoped for the best. "'She looks extremely battered to me, Captain. "'I mean the boat, not your wife, of course.' "'But it appeared that the Captain was determined on optimism.' We lost much of the gearing for the paddle-wheels, but truth to tell, she was long overdue for refit in any case. But, my dear commander, we rode a damn slam with all souls safe. And moreover, what the seven hells are they doing? Vimes had already heard the shrill notes of a flute, but he had to look down to see, marching resolutely across the beach, a large number of goblins. At their head, and for the moment appearing bright blue, was Stinky, playing an old and empty crab-leg. As he passed Vimes, he stopped playing long enough to say, "'No seaside rock for goblins! Hooray! Home again, home again, as fast as they can! And them above us watches, they applaud! And them what tries to stop! Oh, yes, Constable Stinky and his little chums! He finds Stinky will be worse nightmare!' Vimes laughed. "'What? What do you mean? A goblin with a badge?' He had to walk fast as he said that, because Stinky was understandably dead set on getting the goblins out of there as soon as possible— "'Stinky don't need no badges, fellow policeman. "'Stinky worst nightmare all by himself. "'Remember a little boy? "'Little boy open book? "'And he see evil goblin, and I see nasty little boy. "'Good for us, little boy, that we were both right.' "'Vimes watched them march away, "'speeding up until they reached the undergrowth at the edge of the dockyard, "'where they disappeared.' and for a moment it occurred to Vimes that even if he rushed forward and fished around for any trace of goblin, he would not find one. He was bewildered. This didn't matter very much. Bewilderment was often a copper's lot. His job was to make sense of the world, and there were times when he wished that the world would meet him halfway. Are you feeling all right, Commander? Vimes turned and looked at the serious face of Lieutenant Perdy. Well, I'm not certain when I last slept properly, but at least I can stay standing up and I have all the names and descriptions. Three names and one, oh, what a name that was, that is, if you trusted the word of someone happy to be called Captain Murderer. Well, the man was in his fifties, not a good age to have to run and hide. No, Murderer was not going to be a problem, nor was Jefferson, idiot Firebrand though he was. What Jefferson had suspected Captain Murderer knew but Vimes, on the other hand, hadn't demanded the chance to take a crack at the Queen's first mate. Admittedly, an unpleasant-looking cove with a chin like a butcher's boot. He was swaggering towards them now, with the apprehensive Captain Murderer fussing along behind him. Vimes strolled up to the blacksmith. "'Come on, sir, Murderer will pay you whatever it takes to keep the lieutenant happy and keep his own boat. Chalk it up to experience, eh?' "'There's still that bloody first mate,' said the blacksmith. "'The rest of the crew were civil enough, but he's a bullying bastard.' "'Well,' said Vimes, "'here he is, and so are you. "'It's man to man, and I'll stay here to see fair play. "'It's an interesting day here. "'We're trying a different kind of law, "'one that's quick and doesn't have to trouble any lawyers. "'So go on, he knows what you want, and so do you, Mr. Jefferson.' Other crewmen were congregating at this end of the beach. Vimes looked from face to face— "'all showing the working man's intuition that a good bit of healthy violence "'might cheerfully be expected, and read the unspoken language. "'The first mate did look like a man who made a lot of use of his fists and his temper, "'and so, Vimes thought, there would probably be many among the crew "'who would like to see him given a little lesson, or even a great big one. "'He beckoned both the men towards him. "'Gentlemen, this is a grudge match. You both know the score.' "'If I see a knife, may the gods help him who holds it. "'There is to be no murder here, saving you, of course, Captain, "'and in front of you all I give my word that I'll stop the fight "'when I deem that one man has definitely had enough. "'Gentlemen, over to you.' "'And with this he stood back smartly. "'Neither man moved, but Jefferson said, "'Do you know the Marquis of Fantailor rules devised for the proper conduct for a boat of fisticuffs?' "'The first mate's smile was evil. "'He said, "'Yes, I do.' Vimes didn't see, not actually see with his own eyes, what happened next. Surely no one could, but it was agreed later that Jefferson had spun around in a blur and laid the sailor flat. The sound of his heavy body thumping down on the sand was all that broke the silence. After one second, Jefferson, massaging some blood back into his fist, looked down at the fallen giant and said, "'I don't!' He turned and looked at Vimes. "'You know, he deliberately pissed on the goblins and the old. Bastard!' Vimes tensed in case the fallen man had chums without a sense of humour, but in fact there was laughter. After all, a big man had gone down heavy right enough, bang to rights, and that was a definite result in anybody's money. "'Well done, Mr. Jefferson. A fair fight if ever I saw one. Perhaps these gentlemen will take the first mate back to his ship for a lie down.' Vimes delivered this as an instruction, which was instantly obeyed as one, but he added, "'If that's all right by you, Captain Murderer, good.' "'And now I think that you and I'll go, in an entirely friendly way, "'along with the lieutenant here, to the Quirm Watch Headquarters, "'where there will be a little matter of affidavits to sign.' "'I expect you will want to be leaving with some haste, Commander,' "'said the lieutenant as they strolled along the rude awakening. "'Well, yes,' said Vimes, "'I'm supposed to be on holiday. "'I'll pick up young Feeney from the infirmary "'and find some way of getting back to the all.' "'The lieutenant looked surprised.' "'And you don't want to get back on the eels of the murderer as soon as possible, sir?' "'Him? I'll see him soon enough. I have no doubt about that, but, you see, even he is not exactly the end of things. Do you play snooker down here?' "'Well, I haven't learned to play, but I understand the game, if that's what you're asking. "'Then you'll know that the ultimate aim of the game is to sink the black.' Although you'll hit all the other colours during the course of a frame, and you'll bash the red ones again and again, sometimes making use of them to further your strategy. Well, I know where to find the black, and black can't run. The others—the captain has helpfully given us names and descriptions—if you wish to arrest them yourselves, for aiding and abetting the practice of trafficking sapient creatures for profit, then I leave that honour to the Querm Constabulary. He grinned. As for me, after I have the affidavits, I intend to go straight back to see my wife and little boy, who I have shamefully, no, desperately neglected over the past few days. And you know what? Just as soon as I've got there, I'm going to bring them back down here. My wife will enjoy the fresh air, and young Sam will just love the elephants. Oh, won't he just? The lieutenant brightened up. May I suggest, then, that after dinner you take the overnight Boat? It will be the black-eyed Susan, quite speedy like a namesake, according to popular legend. She is due to go upriver in, let me see, three quarters of an hour. She's very fast, doesn't take much in the way of cargo, so they gear her up high. You'll be home in the morning, how about that? Just time to get yourself smartened up, and if you like the idea, then I will get one of the men to go and find the Susan's captain, and make certain she doesn't leave without you. Vimes smiled. "'What's the weather forecast?' "'Clear skies, Commander, and Earl's treachery is as flat as a mill pond, "'scoured of every snag and boulder for the rest of the season. "'It's plain sailing from now on.' "'Good evening, Your Grace!' the voice was somewhat familiar, "'and Vimes saw, sauntering down the boulevard, "'what at first seemed like a man wearing a huge cummerbund, "'until further swift forensic inspection showed that it was the hermit from the hall.' His beard was remarkably clean and wrapped around his body, as were two young ladies of the giggling persuasion. Vimes peered at him. "'Stump? What are you doing down here?' This caused further giggling. "'I'm on holiday, Commander. Yes, indeed. Every man should have holiday, sir.' Vimes didn't know what to say, and so patted the man on the shoulder and said, "'Knock yourself out, Mr. Stump, and don't forget the nourishing herbs. "'I think I'm going to need them, Commander.' Say what you like, the food in the Querm watch-house canteen was pretty damn good, even if they did use a shade too much Avec, thought Vimes. Avec on everything. Vimes, well-fed and cleaned up, and with some very important paperwork stuffed down the inside of his freshly laundered and immaculately ironed shirt, walked, with Chief Constable Upshot, down the quayside towards the black-eyed Susan. The lieutenant and two of the guards accompanied him to his cabin, where the dwarf butler demonstrated to him the cleanliness of the bed and the crispness of the sheets. Honored to have you sleeping in them, Commander. You will find that the Susan gives a very smooth ride, although she can sometimes bounce around a little, very much like her namesake, but least said soon as mended. And, of course, there is a berth next door for Officer Feeney. You gentlemen might like to see the Susan get underway, perhaps.' They did. The Susan had two oxen, just like the wonderful Fanny, but with no heavy cargo and only about ten passengers, she was the express of old treachery. Her paddle-wheels, highly geared indeed, left a line of white water all down the valley behind her. "'What happens now, Commander?' said Feeney, leaning on the rail as they watched Quirm disappearing in the wake behind them. "'I mean, what are we going to do next?' Vimes was smoking a cigar with great pleasure. Somehow this seemed the time and the place.' Snuff was all very well, but a good cigar had time and wisdom and personality. He would be unhappy to see this one go. "'I don't need to do anything now,' he said, turning to look at the sunsets. "'And I don't often see sunsets these days either,' he thought. "'Mostly I see midnights. "'And I don't need to chase Stratford either. "'I know him like I know myself,' he mentally paused, momentarily shocked at the implication. "'Aloud,' he continued, You saw those two Quermian officers get on the boat, didn't you? I arranged that. They will, of course, make certain that we have an undisturbed voyage. The crew also have been told that there may be some attempt by a murderer to board the boat. According to the lieutenant, Captain Harbinger can vouch for all of his crew as having sailed with him loyally for many years. Personally, of course, I'll make certain the door to my berth is locked, and I'd suggest you do the same thing, Feeney. Greed is at the centre of this. "'Greed and hellish poisons. "'They're both killers, and greed is the worst by a long way. "'You know, usually when I'm talking to young officers such as yourself, "'I say that in a certain type of case you should always follow the money. "'You should ask, who stands to lose, who stands to gain?' "'Vimes regretfully tossed the butt of his cigar into the water. "'But sometimes you should follow the arrogance.' You should look for those who can't believe that the law would ever catch them, who believe that they act out of a right that the rest of us do not have. The job of an officer of the law is to let them know that they are wrong. The sun was setting. I do believe, Commander Vimes, that you have something in you that would turn the wheels of this boat all by itself if a man could but harness it, said Feeney admiringly, and I remember reading somewhere that you would arrest the gods for doing it wrong. Vimes shook his head. I'm sure I never said anything of the sort. But law is order, and order is law, and it must be the highest thing. The world runs on it, the heavens run on it, and without order, lad, one second cannot follow another. He could feel himself, swaying. Lack of sleep can poison the mind, drive it in strange directions. Vimes felt Feeney's hand on his shoulder. I'll help you along to your cabin, Commander. It's been a very long day. Vimes didn't remember getting undressed and into bed, or, rather, into bunk, but he clearly had done so, and, according to the little bits of white foam on the cabin's tiny washbasin, he had cleaned his teeth as well. He had slept the sleep of the dead, except for the bit where bits fall off and you crumble into dust, and all he could recall was cool blackness, and, rising now to the surface, a certainty, as if a message had been left in the blackness to await the return of thought. He is after you, Blackboard Monitor Vimes. You know this because you recognize what was in his eyes. You know that type. They want to die from the day they are born, but something twists and so they kill instead. He will find you, and so will I. I hope the three of us meet in darkness. As the message drained away, Vimes stared at the opposite wall, in which the door now opened after a cursory knock, to reveal the steward bearing that which is guaranteed to frighten away all nightmares to wit, a cup of hot tea. The sound of the gentle rattle of China cup on China saucer drives away all demons, a little-known fact. "'No need to get up, Commander,' came the cheerful greeting of the steward, as he carefully placed the cup of tea in a little indentation that some foresighted person had designed into the tiny cabin so that the said teacup would not slide around. "'The captain would like to inform you that we'll be docking in about twenty minutes, although, of course, you'll be welcome to stay aboard and finish your breakfast while we clean the scuppers and take on fresh oxen, and, of course, pick up mail and fodder and a few more passengers. In the galley I have today and here the steward enthusiastically rattled off a menu of belly-stuffing proportions, concluding triumphantly with a bacon sandwich. Vimes cleared his throat and said gloomily, I don't suppose you have any muesli, do you? After all, Sybil was only twenty minutes away. The steward looked puzzled. Well, yes, we would have the ingredients, of course, but I didn't peg you as a rabbit food man. Vimes thought about Sybil again. Well, perhaps today my little nose is twitching. Luxurious though the cabin was, roomy it was not. Vimes managed to shave with a razor donated by the steward, with the compliments of the captain commander, and a thoughtfully placed basin, soap, flannel, and minute towel, which at least helped him to deal with the form of ablution his old mother had called washing the bits that showed. He paid attention to them, nevertheless, taking some pains in the knowledge that this little wooden world would evaporate very soon, and he would be back in the world of Sam Vime's husband and father. Periodically, however, as he made himself respectable, he turned back to himself in the shaving mirror and said, "'Fred Colon!' The luxury cabin had turned out to be wonderful to sleep in, although so small that in reality it would only be suitable for a fastidious corpse." But eventually, when every part of Vimes he could reach had been decently, if erratically, scrubbed, and the steward had bought him a hermit-sized portion of fruits and nuts and grains, he looked around to see what he might have left behind, and saw a face in the shaving mirror. It was his own, although it must be said the phenomenon is not unusual in shaving mirrors. The Vimes in the mirror said, "'You know he doesn't just want to kill you. That wouldn't be good enough for a bastard like that, not by a long way.' He wants to destroy you, and will try everything until he does. I know, said Vimes, and added, You're not a demon, are you? Absolutely not, said his mirror image. I might be made up of your subconscious mind, and a momentary case of muesli poisoning occasioned by a fermenting raisin. Watch where you walk, Commander. Watch everywhere. And then it was gone.